Hello, and welcome to another episode of Floor 9. I'm your host, Ryan Miller, and in this episode, we're going to be digging into today's Thursday, April 28th Snapchat Partner Summit. I am joined this afternoon by my co-host, Adam Simon, and the lab's very own VP of Partner Strategy, Chelsea Freitas. Evan Spiegel kicked off today's Partner Summit with a pretty jarring statistic that I think that users interact with lenses 6 billion times a day. And now we talk about reaching maturity a lot here at the lab. And while we'll get into some of the innovative developments coming out of today's summit that details snaps maturation, do you think that this data point is enough evidence to say that AR has really hit a critical mass in terms of reach? I think that they've really worked and laid the groundwork over the past decade to really get users used to the idea of using AR on a regular basis. They're doing more work in that area than anybody else at this point. Yeah, I would echo that and just say it's far more accessible on a platform like Snapchat because you're also not just playing around alone. You're able to then quickly share it with your friends. Like that Guy Fieri aviator lens looks a lot more (laughs) funny when you then send it to your besties. Yeah, who doesn't like, you know, posing as the mayor of Flavortown? I think that's a dream all of us hope to realize one day. But anyway, you honed in on something that I think is pretty key, Chelsea, and that would be accessibility. And I think Snap really made it a point throughout the summit to position itself as the most accessible AR creator platform. During Spiegel's opening, he mentioned that 250,000 creators worldwide have built upwards of two and a half million lenses that have now been viewed over 5 trillion times. So Is there anything that stood out to you guys from a feature or tool perspective that really proves Snap's point that they are the most accessible creator platform? But I think the big one that's really going to move the needle in the long term is Lens Cloud that really, even though it's called Lens Cloud, it's really their their cloud uh, service for all augmented reality assets. A key component of making shared AR work is having a lot of backend components that can tie together those experiences for your individual users. And Snapchat now has an entry in that space and a very small, very limited entry in cloud computing, which is super interesting, right? When we think of cloud computing, we think of Amazon and Microsoft and Google, and now Snapchat is coming out with their own cloud service specifically for augmented reality, which is something that I I believe the other platforms have some amount of support built in for that, but you could bet that Snaps is going to be a little more feature specific to AR, a turnkey way to have creators on their platform make multi-user augmented reality applications. Yeah, I think that persistent storage aspect of the Lens Cloud solution is really going to open up a ton of new multiplayer experiences. I think the only other player in the space that probably has similar capability set is Niantic and what they're doing with Pokemon Go and Peridot and things of that nature. So I think this is going to open up a whole new game uh, realm for Snapchat. Um, But beyond that, Chelsea, what about you? Is there any feature sets that were of particular interest during the Snap Summit? Yeah, I mean, we'll go into more detail about the retail suite specifically, but something that just stood out to me when listening is they really worked hard to position themselves as a partner to brands. So not just for like the day-to-day consumer that wants to become more of a creator and a developer, they also went above and beyond to make it feel like they're ready and willing and excited to partner with brands for more AR activations. Even throughout, I don't know if you guys noticed, you were able to bookmark and return to watch certain case studies. Hmm. So I found that really helpful because they were flying through so many exciting features. Beyond that, you could double click in to see what brands have accessed it already and how easy it was for them to do so. Yeah, I think that they did a really good job of catering to the brand standpoint, but beyond what they're doing with brands, I think that they really started to bring in some of those creator tools when we think about democratized creativity that really facilitates the 
you know, backend development that's required to put out a high production piece of content. I think that director mode that they unveiled is going to go a long way to bringing on new kinds of creators onto the platform and hopefully open up the new types of content creation that are happening on Snapchat as well. Next, I want to dive into some of the new kinds of experiences on the Snapchat platform. We alluded to the gamification that is available now because of this persistent cloud storage and the multiplayer functionality that is available on Snapchat. And as the resident nerd here at the lab, I got really excited about some of the things they were doing from that game's perspective, such as leveraging your Bitmoji as your in-game avatar. But I'm curious if there are any new use cases beyond gaming, either native in the Snapchat app or through the leverage of their SD that piqued your guys' interest? I was very interested to see them roll out and explain the Snap Minis private component system, which is a way for minis, which are sort of applications that run inside of Snapchat. They're HTML5 apps that run inside of Snapchat. It's a way for them to bring social interaction and social data into those apps without actually sharing it with the third-party developers. This is super interesting mm-hmm. to me because literally... 15 years ago, we were building similar applications on top of Facebook on the desktop and able to pull similar sort of social data into apps built on that platform. And it was similarly architected, but at the time, no one really was talking about privacy of this kind of information. And now, obviously, that's all anybody wants to talk about when it comes to social data. So I think it's super interesting to see Snap roll that similar features into Snapchat, but to talk about them and even even brand them right from the beginning as being very privacy focused. They want to make sure that you know if you use, let's say, Fandango or something with your friends, that they're not necessarily going to suddenly see your entire you know movie viewing history. But you will be able to see things like recommendations and the movies that your friends are watching, which is all that we would want from the social features of something like that. What do you think the best use cases are for? They touted something that they did with HBO Max that allowed people to see what their friends are viewing from a content perspective. But I was wondering if there were any other verticals that came to mind when you guys were thinking about installing these kinds of Snap Minis across the platform. Yeah, I mean, they're really pushing it as a tool for discovery so you can see what your friends are are interested in. So you can imagine that easily translating into shopping and social shopping features as well. Um, And just the brands and products that your friends might be interested in. I think without, you know, having had time to dive into the documentation, it's unclear exactly what else you might be able to pull in uh, as a developer. But uh, I think just having that layer of sort of social data on top of discovery and recommendations, I think obviously makes them more valuable and more compelling for users and gives you a reason to use them inside of Snapchat. Yeah. And I know I touched on it briefly with the Snap Mini games, but I really love that you're able to leverage your Bitmoji avatar as the person that you're controlling in there. Something that we've also been talking a lot about are digital goods. And Bitmoji is probably the foremost place in the Snapchat ecosystem that you can show off your own personality by bringing in either these branded elements or the basic ones that they have afforded to you from a Snapchat perspective. So that was really cool to me. Bringing Bitmojis into the game environment is going to be really big for fashion because we're talking a lot right now in culture in general about what that hybrid experience looks like as we're starting to live stream more and like drop into more events virtually. What does it look like when it's an avatar and what does it look like when it's, you know, Chelsea the person? So I think incentivizing more Bitmoji fashion opportunities and making it more viewable, more accessible, more shareable 
is going to bring a lot more excitement and urgency to activating from a digital good or fashion perspective against Bitmoji. And I think to your point, that level of personalization is what keeps people in the Snap ecosystem. I think we've seen a similar strategy over in China with what WeChat does with all of the native app integrations that they have on their platform. So similar strategy, I think Snap is unfolding here in America. One of the other interesting aspects of the new Snap technologies that were on show is that not only are they available for native development, but people are actually leveraging the SDK and importing it into their app. One of the first features or examples that they showed during the summit was from Puma, where they actually enabled you to try on shoes. Were there any other integrations in other applications that piqued your interest or, or was it just more about the showmanship of the new retail possibilities that are available? For me, it was really just the the overall emphasis on retail and shopping inside the app. This is something that obviously a lot of other social platforms have pivoted to over the past couple of years. And I think we now see Snap moving in that direction, but obviously having a very AR-focused spin on it because that is sort of a differentiator for them and their community is super engaged with that. They touted some really interesting stats that there was a 25% decrease in returns for purchases that were made after an AR try-on, which is super interesting, right? Like that's a big, (laughs) that's a big deal. Returns can be hugely expensive, especially in apparel where, you know, you, you have fit questions as well as just style. And they cited some developers as saying they had a 42% increase in ROI using uh, lens with AR try-on. They're really out there selling the idea of our platform is not AR toys, basically. These are actually impactful tools that you can use to drive meaningful business outcomes. And again, are differentiated from the other social platforms that people might be shopping on. And before I unleash our resident retail expert here at the lab to dive into all the new exciting features, I did want to pipe in with one little stat. 250 million Snapchatters have engaged with AR shopping lenses. Tell me, Chelsea, are you one of those people who are engaging with these shopping lenses on the platform? I am one of these people who are engaging with the shopping lenses. So (laughs) we saw a lot of things today. First, we saw what it looks like from a utility and a fit perspective. And this isn't necessarily new when it makes shopping easy. We've seen Snap building a lot of credibility in this space. But what we saw today is actually a more personalized experience. You're not just seeing, you know, these sunglasses laid on top of you or these what these jeans might look like. Classic. You are now seeing, <laughs> yeah, we, we've, all, we've all played around with the early days of AR. But what we saw today was that like the validation of what we feel like physically in an AR form where you could try on and style a full outfit and then share it back with friends. It's really challenging what we think about when we say, oh, we're going to go shopping with our friends. I had to giggle to myself at one point because... This can absolutely disrupt what a social shared shopping experience looks like and even make us feel like we're having more creative flair as we go along with it. What we saw today was Snapchat bringing in brands that were both high and low, whether it was something more accessible and known for inclusion, like an American Eagle, or a digitally native, digital first fashion brand like DressX. So what that does is actually change the outcome of why people are shopping and why they're engaging with these AR filters. Something like an AE, maybe it's more styling and it's sharing with your friends. Something like a DressX, it's actually interacting with fashion that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise even have the opportunity to. And it's playing around with your digital persona and your digital presence. So I love this because it's experimental and it's playful and it's really what Snapchat is known for, it's that ephemeral media. 
And I think pairing that social element of it with the utility element is is really going to challenge uh, the future of retail. Do you guys hear that? That's the alarm bells ringing across all these different brands that don't have their digital assets <laughs> prepped for these new yeah, environments. Yeah. <laughs> We've only been saying this since I started at the lab seven years ago. <laughs> Somewhere my Bitmoji is dancing right now. Um, I was one of those people who tried on the Nike items in the special drop within the two months. I believe it was 2 billion people in two months. Mm-hmm. My Bitmoji is raising her hand. <laughs> I think the interesting thing here is that Snap totally is aware of this, that this is a challenge for a lot of brands getting started on their platform. They want to make it as easy as possible for brands to really embrace the unique AR features of their platform. But they also know that, look, if you're selling on Snapchat, you're probably also selling on Instagram. And obviously you don't have the AR assets on that platform. So like they're trying to make it as easy as possible. They know it's a little bit more of an ask than, than people are used to. They've rolled out a couple of new tools, the 3D Asset Manager, which is designed to make it easy for uh, you know maybe different team members to generate the 3D assets. And then for the folks managing the Snap channel and the store to be able to, to manipulate them and put them into new lenses and, and all of that stuff. So, so simplifying that workflow, even more so than that, they talked about a new AR image processing technology that is currently in closed beta with just a few brands right now, but it's really to try to leverage existing product images, 2D images that they already have in their catalogs and turning those into 3D AR lenses. And there's a reason it's probably in limited beta. It's not an easy, easy thing to do well. Uh, And obviously they want it to work well, but I think this is the kind of thing that I think we'll see probably incremental improvements on year over year until one day it's just like, oh yeah, obviously I can get, you know, 3D assets into Snapchat in 10 minutes. Like I don't need, you know, a, a totally different workflow for it. I think that's the direction they're going in. Yeah, and they're definitely making it more discoverable for users too. They have a new feature called Dress Up that's available in Snapchat Lenses Explorer today where brands can upload their 3D assets and upload them into this Dress Up feature that people can just scroll through all of the different options that brands have uploaded in whatever given time frame that they keep that content fresh and running. So I think that's a new interesting way for brands to reach out and ultimately see their products amongst this consumer set. We can actually scan images onto your whole body. There's a couple more things on full body. So first and foremost, it plays into the consumer's natural behavior of how you would share an outfit of the day. Mm. So I think we'll get a lot more like usage out of that versus a quick mirror check scan. It's now going to be something slightly more polished, but still really easy to like scan and see that outfit. The other thing is if we're seeing, you know, a full body AR try on, what's next? What is it next? What's my background? What else can I try on? What's crazy about this outfit of the day concept is like, how many outfits of the day are we going to have to show off five years from now? Our Bitmoji outfit of the day, the Genie's outfit of the day, our IRL outfit of the day, our Snap Tryon outfit of the day. I think that there's so many different assets for brands to play with now, both in the digital environment and in the real world, that it's really unlocking a whole new suite of possibilities. So beyond shopping, which has you know inherently been a IRL experience for most of our existence, Where are the other places in the real world that we saw Snap uh, make the most groundbreaking development? We talked about that persistent storage and location-based anchor moments in the AR platform, but what else beyond that interest you guys? They talked about Live Nation, uh, sort of an ongoing multi-year partnership to uh, do more activations of of unique AR content at concerts and, and music festivals. 
Um, they talked about the LACMA and the Bass Museum for uh, talking about museum collaborations for augmented reality, which is an obvious place. Um, they, they mentioned uh, ComplexCon and running an AR scavenger hunt there. They're expanding their partnership with Disney. They had rolled out special geo-fenced lenses for use inside of Walt Disney World last year, and they're expanding that to have sort of new lenses and new experiences, and they're also going to expand it to Disneyland in California. So I think there's just a ton of focus on where AR is going to be useful, and then a lot of these things that are in the real world are about making it more fun and encouraging people to use Snapchat as the place that they're sharing content from these events and these experiences that they're having rather than a different social platform. One of my favorite integrations that they demonstrate is what they did with Verizon at the Super Bowl. They had one of those like blimpy looking drones that teams of fans competed to control against by interacting with their AR Snapchat lens. So that's one of the interesting use cases for sports. I know that NHL has been experimenting in some stadiums across America by enabling fans to hold up their phone to have overlays on the players and the gameplay experience or as the behavior of holding up our phone to unlock new experiences becomes more native. We're going to start seeing more developers actually build things for that. That's a really great point too, because I think those shared mixed reality moments are going to convince a lot of people who haven't necessarily been comfortable with AR or comfortable with these digital environments to really just see it in action and then participate. One of the points that they made or case studies that they brought up was that EDC, Electric Daisy Carnival, was one of their first partners on Our Story seven years ago. And now they're unlocking this new IRL experience where you can actually find your friends in the crowd using a snap map. And as someone who's always said, like, look for the girl in the sparkly outfit and the guy on the shoulders next to her. This is a huge unlock for any concert goer, especially as we return full force to IRL events this year. Yeah, it positions them as a huge resource, right? Because again, it's that utility, but it's in functionality, but it's also going to be your hub or your home for capturing all the other content. I have just a general question for you guys. Do you think that live events can be successful without a digital component? these days, whether it be a live video extension for people to watch remotely or an in-person AR filter to engage with the artist in new ways. Do you think that we've hit that point in terms of our entertainment consumption? I think that's a great question. I think that it is certainly possible, but I think you're probably leaving some engagement and some consumers out by not having a digital component. We're going to see eventually be in a place where most concerts have pop-up digital AR experiences baked into them through Snapchat. Chelsea, Adam talked about some of the successful uses of it. Do you think that there's any experiences where AR and digital extensions do not belong? As the person who's off Instagram, I feel very strong about like digital's presence in our lives. I'm giggling to myself because I'm trying to think of a way to describe. I think the new going off the grid will be a digitally designated zone that is like (laughs) off the grid. I think even as we're going out to explore nature, digital has a role. Hmm. And we see this in how, bringing it back to Snap, they were even showing how certain monuments can now tell stories and how different geographical touch points can have a story. So I think it has a role in enriching all of our experiences. How much people choose to bring it into their lives is really gonna be up to the audiences. 
And I cannot wait <laughs> to get my hands on some of the data when we understand how different groups are tapping into different elements of AR. Yeah. And what we could do for all those counterculturalists anyway, is set up like no smoking zones that used to exist at events and just pen in all the people without their phones and have them exist in a silo. <laughs> but you did mention the hardware element and the spectacles. They talked about a couple of different new features for it. One of my favorites is going out to dinner with my parents who can't read menus is that when you wear the spectacles, you can actually enhance some of the things that you could see on the page and they'll dictate what the words are. Were there any interesting developments on that front besides that very niche use case that interested you guys? One thing that was interesting, and this goes ties back to the creator economy, they plugged it a couple times, and I know because I went to the website, <laughs> creators, they're designating X amount of spectacles to creators. It makes me think of, you know, these young Gen Alphas, Gen Zers who are like establishing themselves. It makes me think of like my little cousins, for example, like really beginning to solidify themselves like in the rising creator economy and community. And that just ties back to some of the accessibility that we talked about at the top of this conversation. From a capability standpoint, I think they're really trying to get spectacles in the hands of young minds, rising talent and developers to see what, what will come out of it next. Seeding it with the next generation of influencers is definitely the right approach as they are tech native and ultimately have a better handle on how to get acclimated to this technology at a quicker rate and ultimately put up some of those high-end productions utilizing the new director's tool functionality within the Snapchat platform. So we talked about the implications of AR and what it might do to enhance and ultimately change our live experiences going forward, whether it be a trip to the museum or a future concert experience with friends. But I want to pivot the conversation here in the last few moments to what Snapchat is doing from a hardware perspective. I think we saw them double down, of course, on their spectacles, which are their AR glasses. But what really caught my eye was unveiled at the end of the Snapchat Partner Summit, and that was the Pixie. I don't know if you guys caught it at the very end, but it looks like almost battery-operated drone that will follow you around and be your content creation companion. Thoughts on how this is going to fare in the real world? I'm curious to see how this does. They said that notably that it is like there are limited quantities of it. The thing that definitely happened with Spectacles right out of the gate is that I think they made way more of them than, than people actually bought of those initial mm. versions. So I think they don't really know what the market for a drone that's connected to Snapchat is really. It's, it's pretty low cost. It's $230 and it has no controller or any fancy tech in that way. It really is just designed to take off out of your hand and take some photos and videos of you and, and then land again, right? It does have a follow me mode so you can toss it into the air and it will follow you as it takes video. It is an interesting trial balloon I think to see what is the sort of mainstream consumer appetite for a drone, because drones are have obviously been around for a while, but they've been pretty niche in terms of uh, the consumers who buy them and use them. I think this has the potential to be one of the more mainstream drones in the market, but I don't think we know what that market looks like. Chelsea, you're going to go out and buy one when it ships in 11 weeks. And that was something that actually surprised me is that it is shipping. It's not just a concept. Do we need to purchase a paparazzi? Like, <laughs> it, we're looking at the selfie, a new selfie stick. However, I do, I do see a lot of benefits to it. And I think in terms of continuous content, like capturing and creation, like pairing this with a lot of the other features, especially like director mode or like 
just seeing all of the new camera kit uh, opportunities, I do think there there will be a role for our little pixie. The pixie right now does not interact with the spectacles at all, but you can imagine a world a few years from now where there are newer versions of both of those devices. Along with your phone, you could get three angles of every scene, right? From your sunglasses to your drone to your phone. If we see creators using them in interesting ways, I think that that, that will, you know, they'll walk down that path and we'll, we'll get features like that, which is, I think is super interesting. It's interesting to think about it as being part of a larger ecosystem and not just the one device. And that's our show here this week. Thank you for joining our recap conversation of the Snapchat Partner Summit. And thank you, Adam and Chelsea, both for being here. As always, you can find us on Twitter at IPG Lab and on our Medium page. Until next time, bye-bye.